everybody, welcome to episode 20 of Like a Street Photography Collective. I'm Ricky, and today's guest is Preston Utley. Uh, so, once again, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule, being a guest. My listeners and I both appreciate you, so again, thank you. Uh, but yeah, why don't you tell the listeners a little about yourself, where you're from, where you live, where you've been, what you think. <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, thanks for having me, um, and I'm grateful for Remigio. Is he's the one who uh, sort of told me to told you to reach out? I'm grateful for my, my good friend Remigio, and uh, uh, yeah, I'm I'm based in uh, Denver, Colorado. Uh, pretty much lived in Colorado most of my life, aside from a few months in Italy, and uh, I guess that's about it. And then, uh, but yeah, I've been in Denver. Uh, most of my life lived in Vail, which is two hours. It's in the mountains of Colorado. Uh, it's two hours from Denver. Lived up there for about five years. But yeah, the West and Denver is where I uh, call home. I've been uh, photographing for uh, since I was in high school, 15, 16 years old. Um, worked as a newspaper photographer for about four or five years I've been a wedding photographer for the last 12 years and uh you know during that time obviously photographing for myself uh you know personally personal work as well yeah I I do like your work it's really different I like to see the different perspectives you bring Um, Mm. and we'll talk about the project I believe you're finished or you're still working on and we'll we'll talk about that later uh, cool. But yes, I want to say thank you for Remigio. Um, I'm really big on following up with photographers my guests recommend. Uh, and, yeah. you know, it just helps build my network and the community larger. So um, thank you for Remigio. Thank you for you. Appreciate you. Uh, how yeah. was Italy? So I lived in England for three years and Italy was on the bottom of my list to go to. <laughs> And when I had the opportunity to, something happened where the tickets and the hotel was just so expensive that I found a really good deal to go to Ireland instead. So Uh. the airfare and the cost of the hotel was just the plane ticket alone to Italy. So I was like, "Eh, save some money, go to Ireland, and I'll go back to Italy. Uh, but yeah, if you don't mind telling me your experience in Italy, how was that? Got it. Yeah, uh, it was it was weird. Um, so I mean, the story behind that that was probably uh, uh, at least ten years ago. I, I think uh, two thousand nine. I was uh, previous. I was working at the newspaper in Vale. It's a small uh, small town newspaper. You know, of, of a circulation of about fifteen thousand and. I'd worked there for about four or five years and, and there's a lot of redundancy when it comes to photographing uh, small town news. You know, um, we photographed everything from like town council meetings to high school basketball games to uh, car accidents to ribbon cutting ceremonies, powder days, food reviews, um, just just everything. And, and it was just sort of getting uh, old. So I had uh, put in my notice to quit and was going to move out to L.A. Uh, I had some friends that were doing a lot of assisting for like commercial photographers and stuff out there. And, and it sounded like, you know, there was 
opportunity to at least do that kind of work. And then uh, another friend of mine said, well, I'm, I'm going to try this thing out in Italy. Uh, uh, I've got a place to stay and, you know, you'll have to split it with me, of course, but I got a place to stay lined up and, and uh, you should come out. And so I did that instead, sort of choosing the, the kind of lesser known of the two options uh, and was out there for three months. I, I traveled to Spain and Amsterdam and, and London as well uh, while I was there. So it was kind of just a home base. And I was up north uh, near uh, Lake Como. Uh, so um, the, the airport that we would fly in and out of was in Milan. Uh, and so I never actually made it uh, farther south than Milan, but, uh, it was just a weird time for myself personally, in terms of trying to figure out where I was going, what, what, what my next chapter in life was going to be. Um, and it was weird, uh, as a photographer, I had been, uh, essentially mostly just photographing for the newspaper for the last four or five years and, uh, was kind of trying to rediscover, uh, my, my original passion in photography or, or trying to, trying to find my own style again or my, my own approach. So I did photograph a lot in the streets. Um, and, uh, I don't, I don't think there's anything really good. I think, uh, I'd still maybe like one or two pictures from, <laughs> from that time in my life. Uh, but you know, that's, that's just the process is, is just photographing and, and getting better and so uh yeah it was a weird it was it was weird for me and and it was a small town it was like a resort town a lot of people would come uh to 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 sort of like vacation there so and that's the kind of the place I was leaving and I, I left Vail because it wasn't as cultured there wasn't as much to do there was not a lot of art not a lot of music um uh not a lot of variety of interests in terms of what people were interested in or doing so yeah that's kind of what my Italian experience was like and then I came back and and uh, started doing uh, wedding photography as as a way to uh, make a living and and that was a really good fit for me because I could be uh, super creative and and uh, kind of tell my own story and and uh, you know there was there was some stress but coming from a newspaper uh, the the weddings aren't really that that stressful okay. um, yeah sounds like a great experience nonetheless <laughs> so I have to ask uh, I'm from Chicago and I'm really big on pizza How, uh, did you at least try the pizza when you were in Italy Oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. How was it? It was good. I mean, it was good. Yeah, it was delicious. Uh, obviously, Chicago style is much different than mm -hmm. like uh, you know that Neapolitan uh, sort of like thin Sicilian or whatever yeah. slice. But uh, yeah, it was really good. I still, I mean, there's something about you know like New York slice. They say it's mm -hmm. the water, you know, that uh, that is makes true. the dough so good. Yeah, the water yeah. makes everything. Because when I was I went to Scotland and I took a tour of uh, Scotch Whiskey Factory experience. Mm. Um, yeah, I love Scotch. <laughs> they have five different regions and they say each region, their whiskey tastes different because of their water. Mm. In fact, mm. even the those Chicago dough like only tastes good because of the water from Chicago, New York, whatever. So yeah. That yeah. aspect is true. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, my next question is wedding photography, right? Because yeah. I have the most respect for wedding photographers <laughs> just because of all the work that you do in there. Yeah, it, it, do you, did you incorporate like street, your street style into wedding photography or did you have to learn an entire new aspect of how you captured photos when you did wedding photography? Uh, I mean, with, with weddings, you still have to kind of get the like traditional stuff, you know, the family standing next to each other, you know, you have to do some of those family shots and get photos of like the bouquet and things like that. But yeah, I really, I really did try to incorporate like my personal style into the weddings. I mean, I, I still have to make, pretty pictures of brides and grooms and stuff but generally what what people really resonate is the uh the unique view that i bring you know and that is like i'm a student of photography i love the history of photography um so i'm i'm always sort of looking at old photographs and sort of asking myself how and why they're still holding up uh what makes them so good? What makes them so timeless? What makes them so classic? What makes them still so celebrated after all these years? You know, and mm-hmm. it's a it's a balance between content and form and and time and place and um, so yeah, I try to bring that into my wedding photography and, and make images that are going to age really well that are that won't look uh, dated or trendy or uh, kind of cookie cutter, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. You say add your own little artistic flair to it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. And for a while, it was even. I, I shot uh, a couple like as uh, at weddings. Uh, it, it got tiring after a few years trying <laughs> to shoot two two embodies only at a, at weddings. Uh, but uh, for a while, I did it. Um, and now I'm now I'm shooting with a Q and a, a Sony, but. Uh, um, yeah, it's been it uh, using those cameras that are fun to use helps, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, some of those like Canons and Nikons and Sony's are a little less inspiring, I think, to hold and operate. You said it, not me, uh, <laughs> uh, but it's okay. I've held the Canon, I've held the Sony. Um, I do have to agree with the last statement, they're, they, they're less inspiring. Do they take great photos? Absolutely. Not knocking their photo quality. Uh, but it just, I, I mean, when I held them, I wasn't like excited every, as I am when I hold my M-bodies. Yeah. But uh, I'm glad you said you, men- you mentioned that you shoot with, um, you shot with M's during, when you did some wedding photography. Yeah. What was that experience like? Because like, obviously, you know, you, you need to get critical focus in certain aspects and it's full manual, so you take a little more time. Um, did you try to zone focus a lot, or were you just, you, you did it manual, awful? Um, I mostly did manual, um, yeah, because I, I would shoot like a 50 and a 35 or a 50 and a 28, you know, two, two bodies, two focal lengths. And the 50 I got pretty good at. I mean, I'm, I'm a little slower than I used to be using it, but uh, I could... You know, you might want to stop down to like a four or something, uh, so you're not at like one point four, but stop down to f four and and just kind of 
you know, Lycas are really clever in, in how they've, how they've made them. You know, you, you swing the tab to the left and that, and that focuses close. You swing the tab to the right and that's infinity. So if you know that you're kind of like already know which direction to focus, you know, as the subject is moving towards you. Mm -hmm. So I'm very familiar with the focusing tab where it goes, uh, but still from time to time, I still get it mixed up. Like, what? Oh, yeah. Where, where is it? Uh, oh, there it is. So, uh, we're not. We're yeah, not it can be tough, like, especially if you're focusing on, like, a brick wall or something, you oh, know, yeah. something with a lot of patterns or whatever, and the wrong the wrong lines overlap or whatever. And Trees yeah, and yeah. flowers are, they're the hardest, or they, yeah, they pose yeah. the most challenging yeah, manual yeah. focus for me. So, zone focus all day on a tree. Um, yeah, so, you yeah. mentioned you were a news photographer photojournalist yeah um so i i, I want to attribute is that where you first encountered a sort of street photography um uh no i, I went to school um at a school here in denver the art institute of colorado and uh i i would like you know the, the, i would like f- fulfill my assignments by just walking around like Denver and sort of like trying to fulfill my assignments and I didn't even know what I was doing was called street photography until I saw you know books by Robert Frank and Henri Cartier-Bresson and Joel Meyerowitz's uh the history of street photography and I was like oh this is this is what I'm doing which is just like walking around and looking for stuff you know um so yeah street photography or or that sort of just like carrying a camera and looking for stuff uh with intention is something i've just always been doing and that you know Henri Cartier-Bresson and the Magnum photographers are are like huge inspirations i mean they're kind of like the the metric or that 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 style of photography you know the the personal documentary or sort of just documenting the world through your experiences and and how you see it and what you encounter and sort of freezing time and space and uh you know yeah not not just finding things as they are and not manipulating the image or the scene or uh that 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 style of photography has always appealed to me um since i kind of stumbled upon it yeah yeah so Street photography grew on me so fast, uh, and I say that because when I first started in photography, landscapes, trees, a flower, a random person here or there, uh, but similar to like you said, like I was taking street photography, and I, I didn't even know what it was. I was just like, oh, I do that all the time, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it wasn't until I realized what street photography was that I actually took the time to practice and dedicate focusing on training myself to look for more interesting scenes and moments doing street photography as Mm -hmm. as opposed to when I was just like going on a vacation and I'm walking and I see something interesting and I just a quick point and shoot Uh, so yeah uh, I really I'm glad you said it like that because I'm sure there's a lot of other photographers who are the same you know situation where they're, they're shooting street photography unknowingly so, yeah. yeah. Thank you for yeah. saying that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what is it about street photography that interests you and inspires you? Uh, 
Um, I just, uh, I, I, I don't know if it's like street photography specifically, but you know, like I, I just, I really appreciate what having the camera can do. I, I'm sort of shy and, and, uh, but also really pay attention to the world and photography camera is sort of a way in which you can, you can, I can sort of passively engage with the world sort of like, you know, I, I can be in, in the world, but I'm not necessarily a participant. I'm sort of observing and, and photographing it. Um, so I just, I'm, I'm, I just love photography. I mean, I, I probably photograph every day and I mean, I, I, I do and, uh, I've been self-publishing, um, my own books since 2013. I've self-published a, a book every year since 2013. Um, and just, just, just to see what I see, just mm-hmm. so I can like, just because I'm doing all this stuff, I might as well, uh, sort of put it together some way. And it's really helped me, uh, become a better photographer, become more aware of my own style and approach and sort of what I'm, what I'm interested in. And, uh, it, it it just makes you a better photographer. It makes you a better editor of your work. Uh, you know, sort of going out and photographing and making prints and putting them on the wall and moving them around and considering what photo should go first and what photo should go last and what photos should follow each other photo. And, um, I, I, uh, I really get inspired through taking, uh, workshops. I generally try to take a workshop every year. Um, I've taken workshops from Alex Webb and Sam Abel and, uh, uh, David Carroll and, um, just, just as a way to kind of learn. Um, I try to attend portfolio reviews to get my work in front of, uh, uh, you know, editors and publishers and gallerists and things like that. It's just sort of like, I, I guess I'm just playing the long game. I'm all in it. So, so in terms of like the inspiration is already there, I guess. Oh yeah. 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 All well said. Um, (laughs) more importantly, I want to get on, self-publishing uh, a lot of people Ooh. are trying to get into making photo books um it wasn't so easy back in the day it took no. years and years and years of work and and bodies of work to before people were even creating their first book uh, i think if, if i read correctly and i recall it, it took like henry carter 30 something years before he made the first book or the decisive moment, something like that. Um, so it does take time, but now with technology and you know all these different avenues, it doesn't take thirty years to do something. So, uh, how did you get introduced to self-publishing um, and the service you use? I know the sequencing—that's that's difficult. Um, I did a portfolio review, and uh, it took me about a good two or three days just on sequencing the photos just so mm-hmm. I made sure that they were um, mm-hmm. but yeah let's mm-hmm. we'll start with the self-publishing part first 
Yeah, I mean, I, I love I love photo books. I mean, that's like that's kind of one of the reasons why I'm a photographer is so that I can make you know photo books and self publishing is 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 a great exercise. I, I I think it's an exercise. I think like you still have to have like a pretty strong body of work or or many years of work to like properly publish a book, but. You know, mine, the, the self-publishing, it's a, it's a, you know, a high, you know, it's, I, I, I do it through Blurb. Uh, every year, like around Thanksgiving, they do 40% off. Uh, so uh, previous years, I, had, I would photograph uh, December through basically early November. And then I'd be sort of editing that book and publishing it that, that next December or that, that same December. Um and uh, I've just always loved books. I mean, I just wanted, I always wanted a book. And so I just started making my own. Uh, the first one in 2013 was like, I think I published 10 and just gave them out as like Christmas gifts and then kind of did the same thing the next year and then the year after that. And then my sort of, the people I was gifting them to was kind of getting bigger and broader. And so I decided to offer them up for sale and, you know, just my, my little like group of 30 to 50 people that support me and like my pictures, uh, would buy them and then they would sell out, uh, fairly quickly. Um, and those are all just like exercises in, in editing and sequencing and, and trying to like make a, cohesive sort of at least a narrative if there's not like a, a specific story there at least trying to make uh, you know a series of images fit like a, a, a visual poem or something mm -hmm. um, so so that's kind of I mean I I just you know I hope to publish real a real book or whatever you know through uh, a publisher. I mean, I do have like a, a little uh, a book with uh, a small publisher called uh, named Peanut Press, and uh, uh, they do what they call peanut portfolios. So they'll publish uh, nine photographers, and each photographer gets their own little book. And the book is eighteen images and comes with a eight and a half by eleven print, and it's a signed in edition of a hundred. And, um, you know, the, the book, the images in that are of 10 years of work of driving throughout the West. So it's sort of this, you know, the self-publishing is a way to like get stuff out or make gifts or just kind of like, yeah, suss out ideas, you know, kind of explore, um, explore. And I think, I think that people need to print or publish their stuff like, um, it, it, it changes so much. Your your response to an image changes so much when you see it printed on a page or in a book. You know, you might love an image and then you print it out and you're like, oh, that doesn't translate as well as I thought it did on the screen. Like, everything looks good backlit on a screen. Oh, yeah, the you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So getting, like, a little print in your hand and really... Uh, kind of living with it on the wall tells you more about it than just sort of briefly uh, posting it on Instagram and then moving on. You know, that's the the sort of lie about photography is that it's it's 
it's easy to do. It's like easy to push the button and it's easy to make a pretty nice looking picture, but it's really difficult to have a signature style, a definable, recognizable style um, because photography is so easy. I mean, I kind of think think of photography the same as I do as like writing. Like anybody can write a sentence or send an email, but not everybody can write a novel or a poem or a song that really moves you, you know, that that's a whole nother level of literacy. And, uh, same with kind of photography. It's, it's a, it takes a long time. It takes a long time, a lot longer than we realize because it's so quick and easy to make an image, you know, a a 125th of a second or whatever. and, Mm -hmm. And you've made that image, but, um, photographs just age really well so the more you can the more time you can give a project the better and stronger it's going to be yeah yeah so uh, i know you're saying how you translate i haven't had any work um published physically i've had a lot of digital publications Mm. or other um sources uh, but mm-hmm. I create a lot of digital zines, nice. uh, and that's what helps me to learn sequencing. Uh, so yeah. Especially, I pick a theme and stick into the theme and sequencing those. And like you said, like one image can kill another image if you don't have them together properly. Yeah. So, for all the listeners out there, I would recommend... Um, I use Apple Pages because it came with the iPad and it's actually mm. really good. I prefer it because you can do like a split view and mm. you can look at one side page and the other side of the page and you can just really kind of look at it. Um, I know a lot of people who are going on to physical, they will do the pictures on the wall method, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm strictly digital now. So um, yeah. when, when I'm ready to do physical prints, I'm sure I'll have my wall taped up with photos. <laughs> but yeah, this is really good. I, I do... I really feel the same way. Like there's nothing better than just looking at your photos on a on a paper, whatever paper it may be. Uh, it just translates different, like you said. So. Yeah, yeah. You just learn a lot more about them. You see things that you might not have seen in the in the digital sort of file. You might end up not liking it. You might end up loving it. Um, yeah, and I think that's the way. That's the way a lot of like photographers work is is by sort of living with their stuff on the walls and it does take time i mean i i, I have an epson printer at home here so i I'm, i you know i'm able to make my own uh prints which is really nice and uh mm-hmm. um and I, I i use lightroom uh to lay out my books um just the the and it's connected directly through blurb which is nice so as you're building it it kind of shows you how much it's going to cost Oh, nice. That's interesting. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to write yeah. that down. Blurb and Peanut Press, because now I'm interested in, <laughs> in contacting them. Um, yeah, you should. Uh, David Carroll and Ashley Stoll, they're both um, the owners, and they're both like a photographers. And, um, perfect. Dave, David's been along. David's been around for uh, several years and knows a ton of people. He's out in New York. And um, Ashley is a really great photographer out in LA photographs her family. Um, and, uh, yeah, uses a Leica. 
Okay. And I know, yeah, yeah. I might reach out to them and just have them guest on the podcast. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're very open. Yeah, yeah, I think that they they're very open there. Yeah, this is how I connect with everybody just by recommendations. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So my next question is: uh, You said you were going to high school photography class there, and then you went to the art institute. Um, but why did you choose Leica? Uh, I mean, it goes back to Brisson and Magnum and. Robert Frank and Gary Winogrand and Lee Friedlander and William Eggleston and you know all those all those people were shooting Leicas and it's just got such a huge it's just got such a reputation and and understandably slow so uh, the glass in particular is incredible um, you know I always wanted one it took a long time to get there it took you know I'd been photographing for. <laughs> A long time. I mean, I started when I was 16. I'm 40 now, and I think I got my first Leica when I was in my early 30s, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And um, my first Leica was an M9. Um, that was, uh, it was actually, uh, it was given to me uh, by, a, by a friend. He, he gifted me this M9. Uh, it was his. And it was incredibly generous. And I told myself, I'm never going to let this thing go. I'm always going to have it. And I took it to the grocery store one day with me and I put it, put the bag in that little front cart where you stick your baby, you know, and yeah. uh, uh, did my grocery shopping, loaded my groceries in the car, pushed the cart back to the cart return, drove off, got home, unloaded my groceries and realized that I left my bag with my Leica in that shopping cart. Oh, no. Yeah. So I drove all the way back. <clears throat> Heart pounding, uh, I'm sure. I've, oh, dude. Yeah, yeah I was gut-wrenching. And uh, got back, and it was gone. Like, they didn't have it. I They checked the security cameras. They couldn't see anything. They had no suspicion. So, uh as far as I knew, it was gone. I called my friend. I was like, I'm so sorry. I lost this incredible gift you gave me. And uh, he was, you know, flustered as well. And, and we were sort of trying to figure out what to do and, you know, file the police report and stuff. And the next day, I was still really shaken up and broken up about it. And so I was like out, like mowing the lawn to kind of clear my head or whatever. And was like I'm just gonna check Craigslist and see and sure enough like one of the top three posts like three posts down was my Leica for sale on Craigslist and so uh, my, I called my friend and then we emailed the person to, saying that we wanted to buy it and then we got a hold of the police and they were kind of like, you know, didn't really realize like the value that we were dealing with here, yeah. you know? And once we kind of told them like how much it was, they got serious and, um, we were able to recover the camera and, um, my friend actually got it before the cops showed up and the cops showed up and sort of yelled at him for kind of like, taking the law into his own hands essentially but uh we got the camera back and and a few years later i was actually able to give the camera back to him i i he was sold all his stuff he was going to move to back to south africa to uh uh live with his family and 
So I was able to give him, I mean, I gave him this camera back and he ended up giving it to somebody else and somebody's given it to somebody else. So it's this like yeah. traveling M9 that's sort of been gifted around, which is kind of cool and has like a really crazy uh, story behind it. But yeah, that was my, that was my first like, uh, uh, and then I had a couple M240s and um, sold those because uh, I was shooting weddings with them and it was getting really difficult. And so I have a Q now and a, a M7. Um, and uh, I did just pick up an M3. Nice. Um, Can't go wrong with M3. <laughs> no, they're great. They're beautiful. Yeah, it's a friend of mine. He, he got it from this... Um, he does these workshops for old, old elderly people, sort of retirees go on these adventures. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, one of this woman was on this thing and said, Oh, my husband died years ago with these, like, uh, this M3 and I'd like to give it to you. And so she gave it to him and he just never really connected with it. It probably needs a CLA, but I, I had this contacts G2 mm-hmm. uh, and uh, traded him for it because I just didn't really connect with that G2. It's um, too autofocusy. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it's I, autofocus. I know what you mean. I have a G2. Um, it's just a collectible item for me now. Yeah, uh, yeah. I got it and I shot it because I was so happy that I, I was able to get one. Yeah, um, yeah. However, when the the initial feeling like, oh man, I finally got a Contax G2 went away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I just went right back to my my M6. <laughs> That's so, what happened to me too. Yeah, yeah like yeah. the, the Leica magic just never fades. It's always there. And the, when I would grab the G2, I'm like, why am I shooting with this? I got a Leica. Uh, but they it just was, work, you know. Yeah. yeah, they just work. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm I'm glad to hear you got your M9 back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I wiped a few beads of sweat off my forehead. There's <laughs> Dude, been times where I felt time. like I've lost even just my ID, and yeah, yeah. I mean, the value of an ID, you can get another one easily, but still, yeah, yeah. I can just imagine the feeling of losing a, a Leica, so. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, good, good little turnout. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So now we're going to uh, move into your Instagram account because that's how I connected with you, uh, and then we'll discuss yeah. a photo that I selected. I really like it. I, I like how you framed it. Uh, but so why don't you tell everybody your Instagram, and then we'll talk about the photos. Uh, yeah, my Instagram is uh, at the Snapshot Diaries. Uh, it's all one word. Um, you have to put the, yeah, uh, but it's the snapshot diaries. Uh, and, uh, yeah, this photo is, uh, uh, it's out in Moab, uh, uh, Arches National Monument, uh, Canyonlands. It's, it's um, kind of out in the desert, southern Utah, and, uh, I was ultimately driving out to Delicate Arch, which is this like this very specific looking arch. It's on the Utah license plate. It's pretty uh, recognizable, I suppose. And uh, uh, and that's just kind of how I work out here in the West. I mean, Denver isn't really like a, a, a street photography scene. There's not like good. There's not. I've tried to shoot in Denver, and it's just not not that great. 
and, and um, so I, I'll pick a pick a spot on the map and just drive there and just kind of pull over to and, and look for interesting things. And um, I, I incorporate the car in, in quite a few of these in this you know kind of Western road trip series that I'm working on. And um, uh, yeah, the the light was really nice. The I opened the door to get out and photograph the this rock, the light on the rock there and liked how the door was the window already framed it. And so I just took that photo instead. And, um, but yeah, I, I like to use the, the car. I mean, obviously it's a mode of transportation. It's the way in which we kind of experience the West and the U S here. And, and also, um, yeah, I think it, talks talks about how we kind of experience the landscape and you know the the ease in which we used to that we do it now like uh photography in the late 1800s you know when the west was first photographed was uh photographers would bring these big plate cameras and stuff and and if they didn't like their picture they would scrape off the picture off the glass you know and try again and and uh wagons and donkeys and pounds of gear and i think um you know there's there's um there's a tip of the cap to those those photographers in this work um and uh also the 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 Road trip in the American West is something that's been photographed by, again, these guys like Robert Frank and, mm-hmm. and Gary Winogrand and Lee Friedlander and uh, Robert Adams and um, people like that. So I, I think that I'm sort of carrying on a bit of a tradition as well in, in photographing this landscape in this way. Yeah. I like how you incorporate, incorporated the car door window because uh, whether most people know it or not, the car window is a frame for <laughs> virtually everyone. So you're framing yeah. your whole, well, not your whole life, because not everybody lives in a car like that. But whenever you're traveling, most people see these amazing sights mm-hmm. through a car window. So how you incorporated mm-hmm. that, uh, that's, that was what really impacted me most. Um, that and... Uh, I don't really like to talk about my photo projects until they're done, but I've, I've published a few uh, zines. So, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I have um, a, an ongoing projects because uh, they're, they're just little photo zines. I call it Passenger, and I pretty much it's called Passenger because passenger I'm the passenger of a vehicle, and I just take mm-hmm. pictures while the car is moving. It's actually uh, not as easy as you think, especially when you. Cause you got to look ahead and then you got to <laughs> time your shutter just right. Uh, but I got pretty good at it. Uh, yes. But yeah, so like that right there, just it kind of resonated well with me because that's what I do. I don't stop and, and pull over. I just, if I mm-hmm. missed it, I missed it. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I like this. Um, and it's clearly shot on film. Uh, if you don't mind me asking which one it was. Uh, yeah, uh, that's an M7 with a 24 millimeter on uh, HP5. Um, yeah, and I, I rate my uh, HP5 as at 800. Okay. Um, yeah, and I develop at home. Ah, that's another lost art. 
<laughs> I, see, I, yeah, I like. Well, it's cheaper, and I, I, I like. I push. You know, I, I basically rate everything. My, I mean, I only shoot HP five and rate, and I rate it eight hundred. Mm. So I, I like. You know, being able to con- control in control of that, especially with the the push processing. Yeah. So I love eight hundred ISO on films just because it's probably the most versatile especially with lighting conditions they can change pretty much yeah. at any given time mm-hmm. um, so I'm I'm a really big fan at 800 on film mm-hmm. um, 800 films I mean you can get it but it's not as easy as getting the 400 and then just pushing it um, but yeah uh, very good yeah. photo um, thank you for that yeah yeah yeah, the eight hundred, like you said, yeah, it's nice. It um, it uh, is it can handle indoors and outdoors. You know, you can go inside and still be able to work with your f stops and shutter speeds a little bit more. It's nice to have that extra stop of of light, and I, I kind of like the grain as well, and that you get with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what's your street photography process, and I guess your other processes because you do more than just street photography right uh yeah i mean i i you know i just photograph uh so you know when i I live out here in denver uh and so obviously you know the last couple years there hasn't been much opportunity to travel but uh i love driving i love road trips and so uh a lot of my work is uh you know, this is, you know, I, like I said, this is what street photography looks like out, out in the West, I think is, is driving and looking for photographs going on these trips. Uh, I do like to go to New York and, and like photograph the streets and, uh, you know, I've been to Cuba and, uh, (laughs) yeah, I got in just in time. Yeah. Just, uh, it was, just before Trump got in, yeah, I just I got in just in time, yeah. Uh, no, I've had, uh, I think, in rapid succession, the last uh, three or four guests all shot in Cuba, and I just speak highly of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's beautiful. I think the challenge with it is that it's kind of a photographic cliche at this point, you know. Like I, I have several photo books. And I think I have at least five or six photo books on Cuba by five or six different photographers. You know, it's just been like done. And I think it's really hard to make it. It's very cool to photograph. I mean, it's beautiful. It's got the light and the architecture and the people are unique. And it's it's a really interesting place. But uh, I... I think it's like a series, you know, I have like maybe five to 10 pictures that I really like, like from Cuba and I probably won't go. I, do, I don't, I don't know that I'll go back just because it's really difficult to get in again. And, uh, it's just so tough to make it look different cause it's been photographed so much. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, my process in general is to just photograph and look at 
look at the photographs and then sort of see what I'm paying attention to and then pay more attention to what it is that I'm seeing. So, uh, you know, this, 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 uh, stuff that I do driving out in the West, I mean, I, this book and I just had an exhibition of the images and it was 18 images and it was 10 years of photographs. So the first five or six years, I didn't even know that this was a thing, you know, it took me showing the photographs to uh, portfolio reviews and stuff for people to be like, Oh, you're, you're like really concentrating in this area. You should keep looking at this, you know? Um, so that's kind of, my process this year I uh, have been photographing a roll of 36 exposures every day since January 5th so my, my I, I will go a year at this point January 5 to January 5 um, and uh, I've not been able to keep up with the processing I um, the last roll I processed was early May and so uh, I think there's about 200 rolls in my drawer right now. Oh, yeah. uh, so, and it's really hard. It's really hard. I don't have any kids. So like, it would be really easy to like photograph at home and stuff with kids, mm -hmm. you know, on cold days or dark days or rainy days or boring days or days where I don't feel like going out, but I kind of have to go out every day and Denver is quiet and, um, it's not, you know, there's not a lot of people on the streets. There's a couple of streets that you can maybe get some interesting stuff on, but not, not usually. So I'll, anytime my friends have a party, I'm really looking forward to that because I'll, I'll shoot that role then. Anytime we go out of town, it's a lot easier to shoot the role. But, uh, yeah, I shot the role before I got on this call with you because, you know, it gets dark at, uh, four thirty now okay. out here in Denver. Um, winter time. Yes, it's winter time. Yeah, uh, and but that's been a really challenging project, and I'm not sure what that's going to look like because right now the only it's only a roll a day every day, which is a lot of you know it's it, it's not as easy as photos. most people. It's not as easy as most people say, especially when you want to take like really meaningful photos right because like well, yeah you want to try yeah yeah, yeah. i don't want to just like you know take pictures of the corner 36 times or whatever uh, yeah I, wanna, I, I know I you try. struggle there uh <laughs> when when covid first hit really bad last year and we were restricted to our our homes yeah i tried to, it was just a one-time experiment uh i have a leica mini lux zoom and I oh, felt, yeah, yeah. I felt yes. that that was best for this one time. I, I absolutely love that camera. Yeah, um, it's a nice camera. I've used one. And yeah. It was perfect for the house because it does auto exposure. Um, yeah, has but, a big flash too. Yeah, but that thirty six shot, just staying in your house and <laughs> not wanting to take the same image thirty six times, exactly. was the yeah. most challenging event that I've had with a roll of film. Because I can yeah. go out in the street and I can shoot five rolls in 10 minutes. Sure. You know, just keep shooting. So uh, that's your little project, shooting yeah. a roll a day is, is, I know how challenging is that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the development process, like you said, 200. I've been there. I've had yeah. hundreds of rolls of film and 
Uh, that's when I just decided I'll pay the cost and have all the people. <laughs> I'll scan them myself, yeah, which is another yeah. long process. But um, yeah. the development, that's just time I don't have. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll take me, it'll probably, it'll take a while to actually like really see what's going on here and, and then trying to get it down to a reasonable amount and mm-hmm. what it is. But yeah, it's, um, I've, I've, it's a lot. It's going to be a lot. It's still a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so you said when you were, you're going out and you just like to shoot what, what you see, uh, but how, mm-hmm. and, and you, we were mentioning when you were in Cuba, um, how do you shoot something that's already been shot before, right? So how do you put your own, you, you know, your, your own flair, your own style, your own, your own vision to something that's already been shot? How do you choose that next photo? Well, I think... I think it's, well, that, that's, it's hard to put into words, I suppose. I mean, I think one of the best kind of like metaphors or examples that I've, I've been, I've heard to answer a question like that is like, you know, there are 88 keys on a piano. There's always been 88 keys on a piano. How are you going to play those 88 keys differently than anybody else who's played that, those 88 keys? Mm-hmm. And people keep doing it, you know, like those, you know, nothing's changed there. So, uh, you know, with pho- photographs, like the the cameras really haven't changed. Like a, a digital film, like a Nikon, like they all just do the thing. They all just like open and close and advance, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... So what, what we need to do is like harness our, you know, develop our, our eye and our style. And, and I think it's through photographing a lot. I think it's through being hyper critical of your work. I think it's through looking at others work. I think it's through workshops and classes and having a community of people that you can trust to sort of show your work to and get honest feedback with. Um, so I think that's like really how you photograph any place differently than, than anybody else does. I mean, our, our, our perspectives are already unique, you know, our own, our own perspectives are already unique. We, we have our own like histories behind our perspective and, uh, our own stories. And I think those whether or not the viewer knows it, though, that those things come through in the photographs. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I have a very high metric. I, I, I really look up to these, you know, photographers that I've mentioned. Um, but I also like want to be my own version of them or better than them or, unique in my own way but i i understand what makes their work good so so i have a metric and i try to you know make work that's that i like mm-hmm. and i think that's it you know i just try to make work that i like yeah well, that's important because <laughs> you gotta like it yourself <laughs> that's a good place to start oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh I love your thought process on a lot of this. It's very, um, very original to hear. Um, you can tell like, you, you, you're living it. 
but where do you, where do you want to be in like a month, a year, ten years? The the, the time frame is just an example. Uh, but yeah, where would yeah. you like to be in the future? Uh, I mean, I I I mean, I'm I'm I hope to be. I hope to publish several, you know, legit photography books through legit publishers. Uh, Steidl is like a major publisher that I would love to publish something with. Uh, I would, you know, I hope to be collected in galleries and held in museums collections. And uh, so I'm slowly sort of trying to untangle what that looks like. You know, I didn't, a lot of people in that world that are doing that, like went to grad school or whatever, you know, for photography. And I, I don't have, you know, I won't be doing anything like that. Um, so I'm, I'm just, I had my first solo exhibition, uh, last weekend and, uh, it was just a pop-up. It was only three days, but had a couple hundred people that came through, you know, friends and family and, uh, random, you know, photography enthusiasts in the community and, um, certainly hope to do more of that. Um, you know, yeah, I, I, I just hope to continue on this path and, and get better and build more awareness and, uh, try to get a foothold in the community. Yeah. Well, congratulations on your solo. Uh, thank you that's something Thanks. i'm striving for and, and i'll get there uh probably yeah, won't yeah. be anytime soon because just my location where i'm at and like but they've actually had uh some solo exhibitions down in naha city so uh who knows i just have to talk to the right person um, yeah how far are you from like tokyo uh, i am in a different island and it's about a oh, okay. three hour flight uh, and okay. i'll be going back there uh for thanksgiving weekend so i'm looking forward to that what for you what makes a photo stand out like what what about it makes you really like an image um of my own yours other people's we'll use other people's because like you you did say you gotta like your own photos right so (laughs) we know what you make you like and that should be important for all photographers you should like your own work but yeah what do you yeah. like about other photographers' photos? Well, I mean, I guess it just depends. I, I like, you know, I like, I like real photos, I guess, or photos that are slices from the real world. Um, you know, I, I think, I do think that like editing your own work is kind of the hardest part, and so like, you know, really being able to know what that 1% of your keepers are is, is pretty important. I think that does have a lot to do with seeing other people's work. And, you know, I've really been looking at this book, uh, Magnum Contacts. Have mm-hmm. you seen this book? It's oh, like yeah. just all their contact one. sheets and I've got the little magnifying glass. And I love seeing how these guys shoot. Like, like most of these people on their contact sheets will shoot like five, three to five to seven frames of a scene. And then you don't have a timestamp. So you have no idea like when the next scene was, but they'll shoot three to five to seven photos of this other scene. 
Like they're very selective. They're not shooting one image, one frame. They're finding a scene. They're working that scene. They're, then they're moving on to another scene, working that scene. Like they're, they're editing as they're photographing. So they're editing the world. They're editing the scenes. They're like, this is the, this is looks like something I want to photograph. So they work it for who, who knows how long because it's also contact sheets, but they work it. You can see the angles. So I've been learning a lot from seeing how those people photograph. It's really revealing. And then you get to see what photos they pick and you uh, sometimes I find myself questioning, like maybe, you know, I kind of like that one a little bit better, or, you know, I wonder why they didn't choose that one and would they choose that one if they could go back. But, um, you know, for my work, I, I like light and shadow. I like separation, like in terms of a black or a white or, you know, a gray, like I like to make sure that there is like separation. I really love layers. You know, I, I tend to hang out at F11 so I can get as much of the image in focus uh, and, and like a good strong foreground, midground, background. Um, and I like to sort of compose as much as I can, you know, this controlled chaos. Gary Winogrand said he was always trying to, trying to toe the line between form and content, you know, Form being like just the just the way the image looks, the composition itself, and the content being you know the subject matter or whatever, and sort of always wrestling with that. And I think that's something that I look for in 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 my pictures as well. Something that's comp on one hand very complicated, but on the uh, like at first glance easy to read um, as well. Okay. Very good. Has anyone or thing changed how you felt about photography? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I <laughs> no worries. <laughs> um, I mean, I you know, I'm. It's it's. Do you still feel the same about it? as you did when you started in high school? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I, 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 it, it, it ebbs and flows. I think, uh, I think now I have a lot more maturity around photography and I'm more aware of what I like and how I actually photograph and, and have more humility around it in terms of what it really takes to kind of have a, a, a really strong body of work and how much effort and how long that takes to, to create that. Mm -hmm. Um, when I, when I first started or when I was big, probably 10 years ago, I thought that like I was already good enough or whatever to be published or get an assignment or something. And now in hindsight and especially looking, not only considering how I thought back then, but looking at my images, uh, you know, I, I knew very little and I hope I, I hope I say that about myself in 10 more years. Okay. I hope that, uh, I look back in 10 years and say that I knew very little and didn't take very many good ones. And okay. because then I, that means I haven't peaked yet. Yeah, the expression, the first 10,000 photos are the worst. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I yeah. think when he said that, it, it was translated into film. 
Now it's yeah. digital and 10,000 photos you can take in a week. <laughs> yeah. So we got to calculate the inflation of past uh-huh. shooting versus now. So Yeah, yeah. Well, the, there's an author, his name is Malcolm Gladwell, and he says 10,000 hours is mm-hmm. sort of what it takes to become, you know, a master at, at, at a craft or whatever. So uh, I... I think we're I'd say that's probably more in line. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. we're there. How, many, how many hours is in a year? So uh, we'll we'll uh, start calculating. That. <laughs> I'm pretty sure someone's on Google now. Uh, yeah, not the totally. answer. I'll look it up later. And then, uh, um, but here, here's a, a question that I've been really like. I like asking people this because everyone sees it differently. But. Um, hmm. How, what is your opinion on how social media is pressuring and influencing creating photographers now? Um, I mean, it's a double-edged sword. I think that, like, social media and the camera phone has, like, opened up, like, creatives that may not have been, op- been able to open up 20 or 30 years ago, uh, but I think, you know, on the other side of the coin, there's this sense of, sense of urgency to get your work out there. And like, uh, and, and honestly, social media isn't everything. Followers and likes doesn't translate to respect and sales or collect, you know, being in collections or getting published. Like the photography is, is a long game. And again, that's why it's kind of deceiving is that it is so instant and social media is so instant and the, the gratification of likes is so instant, but being like truly being dedicated to this craft is a long game because there are so many people doing it. And because there's been so many people that have done it and have done it really well and are doing it really well. Like you really, people that are going to excel at this are going to be dedicated uh, in the, for the long run, not just sort of flash in the pan, social media sort of looking for exposure or, or instant gratification. Um, I think that, I think it's helped me, you know, it's helped me keep connected with people that are interested in my work, but it is not a reflection of, my success and I think that's what people uh, get twisted up in when, when they think of social media and, and that I like it you hit the nail right on the head it is not a reflection of your success yeah. and uh, it, it takes a, it takes a long time to get past it because like you said instant gratification and you know yeah you're like why don't people, people like this photo yeah. as much as the other one what's yeah. going on what did i do did i not post at the right time did i not say the right words yeah it's, it's all subjective right because like yeah. Oh, yeah. you can be the world's best photographer and not have a a really strong following and you can be a mediocre photographer who knows how to handle social media right yeah and I'll exactly this as, as an example is like you could take uh a photo that's Henry Cartier-Bresson worthy, right? Like, and it's just the world's best photo they ever seen. And then you, you get that person that's just really good with social media and they'll take a, a photo of a ketchup bottle and then they'll get like <laughs> a million likes versus your 12 likes on your, your world's greatest photo. So yeah, uh, 
social media, it twists and it, it just pretty much it builds. I feel what it likes. So yeah, get, exactly. There's like a it. thing. There's an aesthetic. There's an Instagram aesthetic or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's you know photos. There's certain photos that more people you know people like on Instagram that aren't. It's not. It's not terribly real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Stay away from it. No, don't stay away from Instagram. Just stay <laughs> no, away just from the, yeah, the aesthetic. Use it, use it cautiously. Yeah, yeah. yeah well it's, said. He said it better for, yeah. for me. So, uh, But how do you stay focused on photography, right? Uh, I I don't know. I mean, it's it, I, I, I don't have to worry about that. I just do it sort of naturally and mm-hmm. inherently. I mean, I do... I uh, like I, I buy photo books regularly. I'm doing this roll a day. I, I I'm inspired by light and space and scenes and um, you know like to photograph my life and my loved ones and my friends and and uh, so I I just I luckily don't have to really make an effort to stay inspired it just is uh really natural but um i like reading about it i like reading about writings about photography uh john sarkowski um who was uh, used to be the photo curator at the moma uh came out with a ton of great books where he would like have a photo on one page and, and writing next to it and uh some great books by Stephen Shore and Aperture has these really cool uh, workshop books that um, are on different subjects by different photographers. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I do, you know, I think my Instagram account is pretty tight in terms of who I follow as well, you know, so I don't get sucked into any, any uh, real anything too outside of photography it's um yeah i try to have friends that are photographers you know that uh, <laughs> so i can geek out on this stuff with them and yeah um i definitely live a, a photographic life yeah mm-hmm. okay yeah. that's that's a good one uh, photographic life so we know you, you work on so many projects and you mentioned earlier you just released it. Would you like to expound? I probably said the word wrong, but would you like to elaborate more on the photo the project you just released? Uh, and if uh, if so, how can we go about supporting you in purchasing? I would like to, to purchase some of your work. Uh, yeah, you can get the book through uh, peanutpressbooks.com. Um, that's the publisher. Uh, it's an edition of a hundred. So a small, uh, run of books, uh, just, uh, they call them peanut portfolios. So there's 18 images in the book. Uh, and then it comes with a eight and a half by 11, uh, print as well. That's signed and editioned. And, uh, it's, you know, photos of me driving through the American West and, um, sort of setting a destination and just looking for things along the way. Uh, you know, I definitely key on, on people in the landscape, sort of, uh, the national parks and national monuments. I'm out looking at, uh, photographing the rest stops and gas stations and motel rooms that I stay in. And, um, 
looking for light and shadow and um yeah and it's it's photos from the last 10 years and it's it's an ongoing project i i hope to come out with a larger sort of book of uh you know 50 images or so but um yeah, that, that came about, uh, David Carroll and Ashley are the publishers, Ashley Stoll. And I met David, he, I entered a, a, a call for entries about six years ago and, uh, he curated the, the show at the center for fine art photography. It's in Fort Collins, uh, North here of Denver. And, uh, for the opening weekend, uh, they flew him out and, um, we got to meet and, we just sort of spoke the same language photographically. We, we were into the same photographers, into the same way of working. And uh, when he retired, he started this publishing company a few years back. And they published a handful of books. And last year they did these uh, peanut, por- peanut portfolios uh, like they did last uh, this year. And uh, he reached out and asked me if uh, I'd like to be a part of it. And... Uh, said yes because it was a killer opportunity and um and uh, I really like what they do and I like his work and he's got quite a personality if you uh check him out on Instagram or or Facebook he's pretty uh brash and open-minded and shares his opinion freely so uh he's a good interview and a good 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 at social media but um yeah, I, I just share that story because you never know, like, you know, you enter contests, go to portfolio reviews, like, that's how you get your foot in the door. Like, it is, again, it's a long game of, like, cultivating relationships and finding, like, advocates and people that really like your work and 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 being able to edit that down, your, edit your pictures down to that 1%, you know. Um, but... Yeah, so, you know, I, I think uh, you just keep trying, don't get, even though it is discouraging to enter contests and maybe get rejected or, or whatever, you just, you just keep trying and, and uh, keep an open mind and, and understand that it is, is a long game for, for most of us. I mean, like you said earlier on, that like, you know, photographers, sometimes it takes 30 years of work for a photographer to publish a book and they're doing it. That's, that tells you that they're doing it because they love photography, not because they want to, you know, publish a book. That's the end game of their love. But most of us, we should be doing this because we can't not do it. Not because we want a book, not because we want an exhibition, but we can't not. And, and it doesn't matter. It, it shouldn't matter. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, of course it does to us and we want it to happen, but, um, you just keep chipping away and keep working and keep, you know, being vulnerable with your work and sharing it with people and getting rejected. And it's all part of the process. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no one's, uh, overnight sensation <laughs> no no i mean it's a very rare story yeah yeah it happens and those are those are the, those are the stories we hear we don't hear about the 60 year old that's been grinding for 50 years you know oh, yeah. 40 years you don't those are like those are boring stories it's the it's the story of the kid that came out of nowhere you know that, that people like you know? 
So, say an up-and-coming amateur photographer in your town. He knows you very well. Um, and he, he approaches you and asks you for advice. What, would, what advice would you give him? Uh, <laughs> I guess it just depends on the context. But I think, uh, you know, I think I would recommend photographing as much as possible and editing your work as hard as you can sharing it with your friends finding you know friends that are also photographers that are willing to look at your work i think taking workshops is really great they're great experiences i took my like one of my first workshops was in 2010 and it was with alex webb and rebecca norris webb uh and it was in my it was in Brooklyn and uh, it took years. It took years for me to be like, oh, that this like that was really good for me. I mean, I knew it was fun and like sort of enchanting, like, you know, meeting, hanging out with a Magnum photographer and, and Rebecca's work is incredible as well. And uh, both of them are, you know, have my some of my favorite photo books or by them. Uh, but I it really like it's another example of, of what, that this is a long game, you know, it took me a couple years to really see how influencing that workshop was. And they didn't turn me into them. They, you know, they just, they just molded me more, mm-hmm. molded me into me more. Um, so that's what I would recommend, you know, just keep trying, keep photographing, make little books, make little zines, put, put together projects, take workshops, find a community, you know, whether it's, whether it is taking a workshop or, uh, even just taking a class at a community college or finding your local photo gallery or, you know, but I, or even an online community, you know, on Facebook, there's tons of Facebook groups or whatever, but, um, yeah, yeah. Taking lots of pictures, failing a lot, being hypercritical workshops. Hypercritical is a, a big one. <laughs> you got to, especially now yeah. everything's so competitive, right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So if you could go back to the first day where you realized you wanted to be a serious photographer, what advice would you give yourself? Um, that's a good question. I, it took me a long time to kind of know what kind of photography I liked or how I wanted to, you know, I, I started when I was like 15 or 16, my friends started, uh, skating and I wanted to, I, skated with them but I wasn't very good and I wanted to keep hanging out with them so I stole my dad's camera from his closet and started taking pictures of them and just I think that like the camera gave me you know access and permission and the darkroom was like perfect for an introvert to like just like being alone and you know, obviously the magic of watching the print come up and that water and that liquid. Um, but I think, I think I would just really drive home that this is a long game, that this game of patience, that this, this stuff takes time to, to, 
find your voice and find your vision and find your style, but you can't find it unless you're photographing and looking at your work. Very good. All right. So this is the part where I like to recognize the not so elite photographer people. So if you have a up and coming promising photographer, um, Please share Instagram, social media, website. Uh, and I also, I reach out to those people. That's how I, I came across you from Remigio. Um, cool. Um, yeah. Who would you like to recognize and recommend to be a guest on the, on the episode? Uh, there's a couple guys, you know, locally. I, 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 I can't, like, say if there's specifically Leica photographers or whatever, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, uh, his... His uh, Instagram is Alex Shoots, S-H-A-L-E-X underscore S-H-O-O-T-Z. He's a, he's a you know, a Denver uh, guy as, as well and uh, uh, a vet and uh, originally from Haiti and photographed the protests in Denver a lot and really well. And like just, I he's a, he's a good up and he's got, He's younger than me by, I think, a lot of years, but he, I know, I see in him that he is very passionate and like, uh, uh, really good. Uh, another guy, uh, he's, I don't know how, his, his E-S-A-I is his first name and then last name Hernandez and then his, uh, Instagram is eastside.photo. All right. With an S not a ph uh and he's like i i really he he just finds these like quirky whimsical kind of lamps landscapes uh um kind of like robert adams um a guy that i know that uses leica that is a street photographer out in new york his name is dustin roderick all one word d-u-s-t-i-n-o-r-o-d-e-r-i-c-k uh and he's very good. I think, you know, he uses Leica, he shoots color film. Uh, um, and I think he'd be happy to talk to you. Uh, oh. And he's he's a good photographer. Yeah. Perfect, perfect. Uh, if you do get some more, you can just uh, message me on Instagram. Uh, I, I like to stay connected with everybody I talk to. Yeah, yeah. And then my final question, which I was asked early on, in the platform and it just kind of stuck and it resonates Mm -hmm. is uh, what does street photography mean to you? Uh, Yeah. uh, I mean, I, I think street photography is a a terrible description for what it is that most of us do, which is like go out and photograph everyday life in public spaces or, and I don't even think it has to be, public spaces i think just sort of photographing everyday life spontaneously Mm -hmm. okay yeah definitely all right well i like that uh again that's that's always my last question i ask so now i open the floor up to you if you have any questions for me i will gladly answer uh no i think uh i think we covered a lot Oh, yeah, it was a great conversation. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. Definitely. So, uh, once again, Preston Utley, 
thank you for taking the time. I'm sure my listeners, your listeners, your followers, uh, everyone who tunes in will definitely appreciate this. This was a very great conversation. So, again, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was awesome. Cool. All right, everybody. Have a great day. (laughs)